Happy Wednesday, everybody. Three hours today, thanks to a little day ball. Chihuahuas win. Big win for them. Fun game. Lots of drama. And ultimately, a 9-8 matinee victory. How about this? Chihuahuas trailed 7-1 in the fourth. They came back to win 9-8 in front of 6,884 fans playing hooky from work today. Good for you. Almost 7,000 of you going to watch a little day baseball. That's what it's all about, folks. Meanwhile, uh, Chihuahuas have won 6 of 8 on their current homestand, 15 of their last 19. And that series continues uh, tomorrow, 635, Southwest University Park. Good pitching matchup, too. Man, John Duplantier against Jay Groom tomorrow. Love that. Love that. All right, good start to the show. Uh, we're excited. He's Adrian. I'm Steve. We come your way here every afternoon, starting at 4. When it ends, man, that's anybody's guess. Today it's 7. Tomorrow it's 6.30. Friday it's going to be 6.30 as well. So uh, we've got that for you here, 600 ESPN El Paso. By the way, programming note, no football Friday night this Friday for us, just because we've got the UTEP game on Friday. And the Chihuahuas, which complicates things a little bit for us. So because we have UTEP playing on Friday instead of Saturday and the Chihuahuas on top of that, um, unfortunately this week, we will not be bringing you Football Friday Night. So a little programming announcement will come your way at 4. We'll go 4 to 6.30 on Friday. Uh, busy show. Busy next few days, man. We're loaded. It's so much to cover on the show, so much to talk about, including today as well. Uh, Jay Jaffe's on his way to Yankee Stadium. So Jay will come with us tomorrow on the program. Jay's trying to go watch history. Jay wants to see if uh, today Aaron Judge can bang out number 61 and tie Maris, which, you know, yesterday he tied Ruth with a monster blast, by the way, in that one. Boy, he just teed off on that pitch. And then the Yankees end up winning on a walk-off shot thanks to Giancarlo Stanton. Uh, what a night that was for the Yankees. Yeah, really. I mean, yesterday, the way that they rallied back, it was uh, just a magical evening for the Yankees and, and how they were able to win. Uh, today, they've got the Pirates. It's on ESPN+, Plus, so people can actually stream it, watch it, uh, and, and get a chance to watch history if it happens tonight in the Bronx. Uh, very fitting, right, if it does happen at Yankee Stadium. Now, the interesting thing that I've been hearing, Steve, is if it drags into the weekend, uh, you know, people have been uh, talking about, like, the TV schedule for the Yankees, like what channel uh, they'll be on for the rest of this weekend. I think they're on Apple TV on Friday, if I'm really? not mistaken. So uh, if you do not have a subscription to Apple TV, you have 48 hours if you're a huge Yankees fan or an Aaron Judge fan. Tomorrow, well, tonight they're on ESPN+, and it's Luis Severino pitching. Nice. Uh, and then they, oh, my God, can you imagine welcoming the Red Sox for history? Oh, How man. great would it be if Judge breaks Maris at Yankee Stadium against the Red Sox this weekend. Wow. So okay. So tomorrow night is on Fox. Uh, it'll yep. be it'll be um, you know a five o'clock first pitch, and then yes, Steve. Friday night is on Apple TV Plus. How did the Yankees get a Thursday night primetime game on Fox? I'm wondering if Fox is trying to compete with uh, Thursday, Thursday night, night, football. night football, and especially since they don't have those rights to air it with uh, Amazon Prime taking the Thursday night slate, maybe they're trying to compete there. It's a bad idea. 
idea. I, I think there's going to be a ton of fans watching to see if, in fact, Judge see if Judge ties the if Judge ties Maris tonight and hits number sixty one, then I think they'll have a great uh, audience tomorrow night on national television to see if he hits sixty two. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. I think that would be huge, uh, and I think everybody would be watching intently if that ends up happening. Uh, now, the big thing is, you know, the Thursday night football game, Steelers-Browns. Yep. You, you, could, I, you could make an argument that that game could get ugly in either team's favor. I mean, if the Browns start separating themselves, or if it's just a boring game, like if right. it's a 10-3 game, everybody's going to switch over to Yankees-Red Sox and watch that instead. I could see that happening. I really could. I think that's a, 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 you know, a distinct possibility. So, uh, but anyway, that's that's wild. That is wild. So uh, tonight again, uh, Yankees, Pirates, ESPN Plus game starts in an hour. Um, I think it's Contreras for Pittsburgh, Severino for the Yankees. So it's a good matchup, very good matchup. And then we've got the uh, Red Sox coming to town to Yankee Stadium starting tomorrow through Sunday, by the way. And it's fun because you got Fox Thursday, Apple TV Plus Friday, ESPN Sunday. So the only day there's no TV is Saturday. But if you get the MLB package, you can watch that game anyway on Saturday. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Maybe if Major League Baseball or even MLB Networks, how, how they sometimes ping around different games and you can get a chance to watch that one. Uh, that one's going up against all the college football games Saturday since it's a morning game. You know what's crazy also? With all the, um, you know, with all the, the, the hoopla surrounding Judge, the Yankees are still only 5.5 in front of Toronto and 7.5 in front of Tampa. I mean, that is... That is far from being a uh, clinched division at this point. Yeah, it really just tells you where the focus is right now. I guess at least among the fans, among the media members and stuff like that. And I get it, right? It's it's history in the making that people are excited to watch. But that AL East race right now is so fascinating to me. I mean, uh, you could have so many different teams uh, involved when it's all said and done. And even that wild card stretch, how many teams out of the uh, AL East will get a chance to actually get a part, be a part of that wild card? Blue Jays, of course, Rays uh, leading right now in that category. Uh, uh, but I would not be surprised. You know, the Orioles five games behind the Mariners right now for that third and final wild card spot. Why can't they make a big push at the at the end of the season? It's possible, but they got to get hot. I mean, yeah. they, they haven't played good baseball recently. They got to get hot. So that's the American League for you. Uh, National League Mets are one in front of the Braves. You've got the Cards uh, eight in front of Milwaukee. Although it looks like uh, right now you're going to have either Mets Braves getting a wild card spot. You're also going to have most likely. Uh, Padres, and then what's really interesting is either um, Philadelphia or Milwaukee. That is fascinating to me, really. That's a tight race between those two teams right now. Brewers two games back, but they had a huge win today against the Mets uh, in a 6-0 blanking. And then you look at what the Phillies have done recently, lost five in a row, Steve. So that's one of the ones that you're marking as a possible red flag for Philly. Can they hold strong at the end of the season, or will the Brewers overtake them for that final wild card spot? Meanwhile, the Dodgers are 103-45. and My goodness, what a record that is. That is insane. No wonder, you know, no wonder I see Dodgers shirts and Dodger jerseys. There was one at work today, Veronica, who at the queue, she wore a Cody Bellinger jersey shirt today. No wonder. They're hot. They're playing great baseball. Yeah, won eight of their last ten games. Uh, they're, they're a team that just simply wins on, on any given night. I mean, they could be home on the on the road. Uh, they're matter. just Yeah, it doesn't matter whatsoever. But I will point out their home record, 51-19. and 19. I mean, just outstanding when they play at Dodger Stadium. 
Have you seen their road record? It's sick. Their road record is 52 and 26. Almost just as good as their home. Isn't that nuts? Yeah. They've won, they've won 50 games um, on, at home and they've won 50 on the road. Just to compare it with a, a leading team like uh, the St. Louis Cardinals in the Central, they're 36 and 35 away from Bush Stadium. So they struggle when they're on the road. But when you compare it to the Dodgers, they're not afraid of anything. They can go battle tested on the road or at home. Second best road record in baseball is Houston. They're 48 and 28. Yeah, that's a substan- they've got a substantial lead on them right there. That's true. The only other team in baseball to have 50 or, or more wins, um, either at home or on the road, Yankees have 51 at home. They're 38 and 36 on the road. Uh, not very Astros, good on the road. What's there. that? No, they're not. not very good on nah, the road. They're a 500 team on the road. It's bad. Um, Astros are 50 and 23 at home, 48 and 28 on the road. You know, the Astros had such a sneaky good season. I mean, they're ninety-eight and fifty-one. I, I know it's the you know the Dodgers are having such a great record overall that you know the, nobody's really talking about the Astros, but the Astros have been just been getting it done all year long, very quietly getting it done. Yeah, what I'm always impressed by the Astros whenever I turn uh, turn them uh, them on, I just love their rotation. Javier, of course, Verlander is is their standout guy, but just the rotation is just outstanding. Like they got guys who could pitch uh, lights out all across the board for the Astros, and that's going to hold true when it comes to October. I mean. It seems like it's usually the teams who've got deep pitching, deep bullpens, uh, they get a chance to go furthest in uh, October. 100%. 100%. So we'll talk to Jay tomorrow. We'll look forward to that. We'll have uh, a good conversation with Jay. we got uh, Bernie Olivas coming up at 5 today. Uh, Tony the Tiger Sun will watch. I think uh, Bernie's going to be uh, coming in pretty excited after his big week here uh, last week. Yeah, we're, we're going to have to... Um... Yeah, I'm shocked, Steve. What a turnaround for Bernie Olivas. He has has now overtaken both of us in the standings right now. And, uh, yeah, I'm I'm bummed out. I thought I had a good week. I got 7 out of 10 right. And Bernie Olivas, 9 out of 10. Almost exceptional last weekend. I think I'm in the bottom right now. I think I'm occupying the caboose in our uh, little three-way battle. Yeah, I think so, Steve. I think we're all, like, one, uh, one point away from each other. I think Bernie, if I'm not mistaken, is 18. I'm 17. You're 16. If I'm not mistaken, something like that. I think you're right. I think you're right. Let me uh, go ahead right now and uh, and, and take a look at uh, at Twitter today. Um, Paul Marmalejo uh, just tweeted the show. Uh, I like this. EP Locomotive hype today. Hashtag just saying. Is Paul related to Ruben Rodriguez, uh, Ruben Ramirez? Because Ruben also throws the "just saying" at us. That's a that's a, ah. a very common hashtag from Ruben. I wonder if Paul and Ruben are, are uh, cousins or something like that. Well, maybe he started a trend there or something like that. Maybe, maybe so. Uh, maybe Ruben uh, is a trendsetter and he and he got everybody going on that. But I like it. Uh, Locomotive are not in action until next Wednesday. They play uh, the Tampa Bay Rowdies next Wednesday at six o'clock. So no locos uh, for us today. So that means, uh, well, no local hype because there is uh, no match for a week. Yeah, they don't even come back to town until October 5th, by the way. That's when they take on the switchbacks, uh, and that's a 7 o'clock kickoff, again, a Wednesday, October 5th. So it's not a while. It'll be a while for uh, Locomotive FC to come back to town. Oh, absolutely. So uh, that is an interesting subject matter, though, just because – you know they've had such a, a strange season. I mean they've they've won in bunches, they've lost in bunches. Uh, you know they've they've it, it's been hard to keep it together and put it together over an extended period of time. Um, but I will say, if you look at the current Western uh, Conference table, 
El Paso right now is fifth. Um, the the only downside is New Mexico United has one game in hand, and Rio Grande Valley has two games in hand, and they occupy six and seven. In fact, uh, Colorado Springs is the only team besides El Paso Locomotive FC to play 31 matches so far. Nobody else has played that many. So, But El Paso has won three out of their last five, Adrian, which puts them in fifth right now as opposed to uh, outside the uh, the playoff table. Yeah, that's right. There's still it's still a quest in trying to get to the playoffs for Locomotive FC. Uh, a big road win that they had against LA Galaxy two uh, this past Sunday. So that's definitely something that we should mention. Uh, that was a huge road victory for Locomotive FC, which is so interesting, right? Because earlier this year they struggled on the road, they struggled at home. There was lulls in the season, and now it seems like hey, they they found a little bit of a late season stride trying to make uh, the playoffs here, and I think that's their big uh, moment. I mean that. That's like driving their momentum right now. It's just trying to quest and get to the postseason because once they get there, mm-hmm. uh, you know, everything's on the table for this team. 100%. So anyway, um, yes, we'll talk more about them, I'm sure, starting next week. I will be looking forward to that. Um, also, this is kind of interesting. You know, um, when things don't go well, how do athletes handle the criticism? Well, how about this? How about... Uh, Joe Burrow um, actually deleted his Twitter and Instagram accounts right now. That's how Joe Burrow is handling his 0-2 start for the Bengals. Just get rid of social media. More of a distraction thing, I wonder. Like, hey, that's what I, he said. Yeah, I actually like that. I think that if you're if you're a quarterback like Joe Burrow, I mean, hey, if you've grown up with social media your whole life, like he has as a younger guy, mm-hmm. just delete it. Just uh, keep that out out of your radar right now. Well, and so, uh, you know, ha- reactivate it once you're ready to get back into it. Why don't more athletes do this when things go bad? Why not just delete their social media accounts? Why do you have to have it? I'm with you on that because now we nowadays we see athletes go to the locker room and the first thing they check is social media and that's got to do a toll on their mental health. Like I'm I'm saying like don't just get off social media, stay off Twitter, stay off Instagram, all that kind of stuff. That's it, a distraction. If it wasn't for call screening, I don't think I'd even have a Facebook account. I'm being honest with you. I don't even know if I'd have one. Um, I'd probably get rid of it because. I mean, I don't post that much. I, I use Twitter just for news. That's about it. I hardly use Instagram. I don't know. I mean, I get the I get the love that some people have a social media, but for me, you know, if it if if we had to go back to the way it was twenty five years ago, I wouldn't be complaining. It wouldn't be so bad. We lived and had no problems in the nineties and earlier um, without worrying about cell phones, um, pictures, commentary, um, breaking news. This show used to be really cool because you used to get on the air and hear stories for the first time. Remember that? Remember those days years ago, folks? You'd turn on Sports Talk and you'd actually hear a breaking story that you hadn't heard. Nowadays, if we talk about a story like, uh, you know, New Mexico State getting on the front page of ESPN for being number one in the bottom ten, well, that story happened uh, hours ago. It's old news already, Adrian. It's probably Jerry Kill probably already clipped it, put it up on his bulletin board, and is saving it to remind his players of uh, where things are right now and where they're going to be. Yeah, I mean, even just like 15 years ago, you go on ESPN, like the sport, like Sports Center, and you're just waiting to see the bottom ticker yep. to see breaking news. But nowadays, no, it's, it's Schefter, it's, it's Adrian Warjanow, 
Janowski. It's uh, Jeff Passan. They're providing all the breaking news that you need in all the major sports. And then across the board for college sports, we get all the breaking news, uh, you know, on, on the real time when it happens on Twitter and social media. I miss the AP machine we used to have. We had an AP machine that had like a laser printer. It was like one of those old 80s, 90s style laser printers. And when stories would break, it would just start printing. Like, you didn't even have to, it wasn't even uh, essentially, uh, you didn't even have to load it. It just printed on its own. Like, it was the kind of machine that would be fed stories and it would just start printing as soon as things happened. So it'd be like Terrell Davis has retired from the NFL, like things like that. Anything that we were getting, sports-wise or news-wise, for that wow. matter, would would just start printing out itself, and then you just start looking at the feed to see what uh, what you might have missed over the last uh, last couple hours. That's so cool, and then it'd just be exciting. I bet when you get some big breaking news, like, oh wow, we can go live with this right now. Exactly, exactly. Remember the old days when. You needed a helicopter to go find traffic and see what's going on. Not anymore. Charlie has all the latest, greatest equipment, but he's still on uh, the phones with us and gives us our first traffic update of the afternoon. Charlie, how we doing? 24 past the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk. Our telephone number is 505-6009. Uh, since Jay Jaffe is not joining us today, he'll be back with us tomorrow. Uh, we can talk to you on the show. In fact, um, I want to talk to Adrian about his story that's up on the website right now. Published this earlier today. After slow start, Utah football looks inward for answers ahead of Boise State. By the way, um, I think I predicted 8-4. and four. If I had to do it over right now, I might even just reverse it and just say 4-8 and eight because... Even if they go, let's say, you know, and they lose uh, on, on Friday night to Boise, which I expect, yeah, and they're one in four, I think then they probably would go, I don't know, either three and four, or maybe four and three the, west of the, the rest of the way. So you're looking at either four and eight or five and seven. I don't know if I could ever see this team going to getting six wins and getting back to a bowl game this year. I just, I don't know if that's going to happen. I mean, Five and two or better just uh, seems uh, like a long shot right now after the first uh, after the first three games, possibly four. Yeah, thank goodness in our preseason podcast, which I had to go back and think, man, where do we go wrong? At least we prefaced at one point, Steve, like, hey, if uh, everything goes south, if things don't go well, this is not good news. So we we kind of laid a little bit of a foundation to to th- this uh, maybe happening, which is now the reality where UTEP struggles out the gate and uh, does and, and struggles to try to find wins. Uh, but I don't know if I could even get to four Steve I mean look you go on the road to Charlotte on the road to La Tech in the next two weeks after Boise back at home against a good Florida Atlantic team and then Middle Tennessee comes into town all right maybe the 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 Blue Raiders right there uh during homecoming weekend October 29th but after that yeah maybe Rice on the road uh maybe maybe FIU at home for senior day and then no way for UTSA no 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 you know what's funny we do you remember how um, we were talking about UTSA and you said, ah, they lost a ton of guys. I mean, that's yeah. that, they're gonna they're gonna have a down season and they're gonna they're, you know they're not gonna be nearly what they were last year. Um, uh, yeah, thank you. I, I mean, I know they lost uh, to UT, but uh, they were in that football game, had a lead early on. They just couldn't hold it when they had when they had Texas on the ropes. That's uh, an example right there of a 
program that really capitalized off a really good season that they had and recruited a lot of guys who played who are playing immediately for them. And hey, Frank Harris, that's a, another example of a quarterback in Conference USA really taking a step forward after last year. I mean, he has really shined for UTSA this year. He's he's a, a strong leader and really helps their uh, offense out in a big way. And their defense is pretty good too. So yeah, UTSA no step back whatsoever for them. No, they've been fun. And 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 I'll say something else. I mean. What a difference a coach can make in that regard. Because if you saw that program, they've had glimpses over the years, but nothing that really was ever giving you any thoughts that they would be able to sustain it. You bring Jeff Trailer on board, and, and so far you've you've noticed that uh, you know the guy can win here on this level. This is like the perfect school for him to show what he could do as a uh, D1 head coach. I thought UTSA was very on par with a school and a program like Texas State in football. Uh, they, they're recently FBS. Uh, you look at what they did under their previous coach, Frank Wilson. It was pretty much nothing. I, they went to one bowl game with him and then Larry Coker before that. They, didn't, they went to one bowl game as well. Uh, actually, they had a winning season, didn't qualify for a bowl game that That's year right. in t- 2012. But Jeff Trailer so far, two bowl, uh, bowl appearances, uh, the, fr- the first responder bowl in year one and the frisco bowl in year two uh b- by the way they were also ranked last year i mean gosh as high as 15 a, yeah what a great start to his tenure over there and you you got to figure steve there's going to be a big school out there that's going to pay that buyout and that's going to try to lure jeff trailer away from there isn't it interesting though that that football program has been division one fbs since 2012 and I think they were on probation for a couple of years, meaning going to the postseason. That's why when they were eight and four in 2012, and then uh, seven and five in 2013, they didn't go bowling because I don't even know if they were eligible yeah. to go bowling then with Larry Coker. But then you look at what happened: four and eight, three and nine. So Larry Coker's out. Then they go to Frank Wilson. He goes six and seven, but was six and six. So they went to the New Mexico Bowl and lost that year in 2016. Then six and five in 2017, three and nine, four and eight. Frank's out. So both guys started off good, but couldn't sustain it. And then we're both out. And then here comes Jeff Trailer, seven and five in 2020, 12 and two in 2021. And thus far, he's one and two. But you feel like UTSA is still very much atop of anybody in Conference USA, and they'll probably be a legitimate player when they move on to the uh, AAC starting next season. Yeah, they had uh, one of the best win-loss percentages last year. He was Conference USA Coach of the Year last year. Uh, when they make that transition over to the AAC, and if Jeff Trailer wants to leave in the future, if he does, I think he's going to have this program in a great place because the next person who wants to take this job, they're going to realize uh, what the standard is over there at UTSA and and they're going to want to try to get up to that level now uh, another thing to note is would Jeff Trailer want to leave or would he like to stay and and remain in the AAC to try to be competitive over there the thing the thing about Trailer that's so interesting is he plays at Stephen F. Austin as a football player in the uh, mid to late 80s he was a high school assistant for 10 years in Big Sandy and Jacksonville High School in the state of Texas. Then he takes over Gilmer High School for 15 years, has um, terrific success, five state champion game appearances, three state titles, 12 district crowns. Then he goes to Texas and spends two years there coaching tight ends and special teams. 
Then he goes to SMU and is the uh, is an associate head coach and running backs coach for a year. Then he goes to Arkansas for two years and has the exact same title at Arkansas. And then he goes to UTSA. So you think about it, Adrian. How many guys do you find in the state of Texas with this kind of a career arc? You know, 10 years as an assistant, 15 years as a head coach, state titles, all the accolades, goes to college, spends five years between Texas, SMU, and Arkansas before he gets his chance at UTSA, and so far has just made the most of it. And I was talking to Shahan Jairaja about this because, to me, it's such an interesting blueprint. And what Shahan said is, there's there's really nobody else that fits the Jeff Trailer mold that's out there right now. And it really shows you that, hey, maybe he got that because of his relationships and things like recruiting. And maybe that's something that UTSA was looking at when they hired Trailer. But you're right, he's one in uh, one in a few who can ever do something like this and rise to that uh, you know, prominence, but also have success at the college football level. Like It's one thing to get named as a head coach, but it's another thing to actually have success. And look at what he's done so far. Oh, it's impressive. Really impressive. Bottom of the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk. We'll talk more in a moment. But first, let's get right to Adrian. And he has a Sports Center update for us. Adrian, thank you very much. As we continue here on Sports Talk. You know, here's an this is kind of interesting just because, again, you, you, you look at uh, Trailer and what he's been able to do, and you try to find someone, you know, who's in that same mold. And um, there just there aren't a lot of guys out there like that. I mean, somebody that could could go to high school, coach for ten years or fifteen years, win state titles, dominate, then go into uh, to college as an assistant and uh, start you know making a reputation and then getting an opportunity as a head coach. It's hard to find those. You know what, Steve uh, Zay over here uh, did mention one to me, Joey McGuire out of Texas Tech, the newly appointed Texas Tech head coach. He's somebody who also has risen through the Texas high school football ranks and has had success as an assistant throughout college football. He is another one that, that you could kind of look at, Joey McGuire, out with the Texas Tech uh, Red Raiders. But they're hard to find. Right. That's the point. It, it really is difficult. Um, and maybe they hired him over there in Texas Tech because of the success Trailer had. Maybe he kind of paved the way for other coaches to to do this in the future as well. That's true. That is possible. You know, that, that could be the case. Um, this is kind of just a, an interesting storyline. Emmett Jones is the passing game coordinator and wide receivers coach for Texas Tech. Just joined uh, McGuire this year. Emmett Jones played at Texas Tech, and then his last year played at UTEP. Okay? Played at UTEP in 1996. And then... Um, an assistant coach for four years. Uh, first at uh, Seagoville and then went to Dallas Lincoln High School, where he was an assistant for a year. Then becomes the offensive coordinator at Skyline High and then becomes uh, the head coach at South Oak Cliff High. And then spends the last five years between Texas Tech and Kansas in a variety of roles, whether it's player development, wide receiver coach, passing game coordinator. It's interesting, and the only interesting thing to me on that is that for one year, Emmett Jones uh, played a UTEP and has that, that similar approach. Didn't win state titles. Did not win state titles coaching all those years in Texas. But when uh, for the three seasons he was at South Oak Cliff, 
they did have uh, 30 wins and went deep into the 4 and 5A state playoffs in each of the three seasons. Well, it also shows you right there that uh, the fact that he has had all these different stints in high school, Steve, imagine all the friends that he's made at that level. And then now, as a uh, coach out in college, he can go to these old friends that he's made along the way in the Texas high school football ranks or wherever in high school football, and he can get those recruits. They can go to uh, houses and be familiar, and, and he has that familiarity with a lot of these parents and coaches. That's a huge thing right there, and I think colleges are starting to really value that. I think the point I'm trying to make with this discussion is is that it's hard to find Jeff Trailer types. It really is. Because Joey McGuire's coaching in a bit. He's already got his, his Power 5 job. I mean, it's not like he's at a mid-major and getting an opportunity to uh, try to work his way up the way Trailer is. He's a tech already. So Joey McGuire's there. I mean, he's he's at that level right now. In fact, McGuire is three years younger than Trailer, and similar resume, it really is, because he was out at Cedar Hill uh, High School doing it for all those years, but he's now at uh, the, the Power 5 level. So you know, that's what I'm trying to say is, you you just it's it's tough when you say hey I want the next Jeff Trailer. There's not that many of those guys. Those are you know there's only one Jeff Trailer, and if you, if you find a second or third, they might not be as successful as that guy. Yeah, and then some people who might not know a lot about Jeff Trailer would say, oh well, he's a younger coach who's rising. He's 54 years old. I mean, he's, it's not like he's uh, you know fresh out of out of uh, coaching school or anything like that. He's been around for a long time, and uh, he he wants to make this stop count with UTSA. Now, I, I wonder what his next move will be if if he decides to move on from this. But you're right. I think that whoever will decide to understand his value, they're gonna. Pay a pretty penny for somebody like Jeff Trailer to come into their university and change their school. I think his buyout's enormous. Yeah, I think so too. Well, they're giving him what thirty million over ten years. Yeah, it's something. It's something ridiculous like that. Yeah, Lisa broke the bank when she made that hire, uh, that extension. She really did. So, and and some people thought that where's Lisa Campos getting this kind of money to gamble on Jeff Trailer? Because if he never lives up to it, and you're on the hook for. $30 million over 10 years, that is an enormous gamble. But if you feel like you have a potential Power 5 head coach that can lead you to however many bowl games every year and you become a perennial power in the group of fives, then that's a bargain price because when a, when a big Power 5 school does come calling for them, that buyout is going to be so large, it's going to easily pave the way for UTSA to make their next big hire. His uh, buyout, $7.5 million. A ton of money. That's a ton. It is a ton of money. Yeah, but uh, the right school will pay that kind of money to bring him in if they believe he's the guy. If You said it. If they believe he is the guy. How did Tom Herman work out for Texas? There you go. Yeah, Charlie Strong right before that. Yeah, I mean, how did that all work out? Not well at all. And they and, and they were killing it at Houston. And uh, Charlie Strong was in was in uh, what was he? He was at uh, Florida, South was yeah, it South, South Florida. Florida that's yeah, right. I mean, they were great. But yeah. it just goes to show you, it is so tough sometimes to make the jump from a Group of Five school to a Power Five school. It's not easy.
Yeah, look at Scott Frost right there. Look at how much he struggled. Look at, I, I mean, I think that what Lisa Campos sees in uh, somebody like Jeff Trailer is maybe what Boise State saw in Chris Peterson with, with that illustrious run that they had from 2006 all the way to the mid uh, 20, you know, 2010s. Uh, he got Boise State really rocking, and it was Washington that finally lured Chris Peterson away and hired that, him after the fact. Well, he didn't have much success at the Power Five level, but he killed it at the Group of Five level. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. All right, 20 in front of five as Sports Talk continues. Let's take a timeout. We'll come back after ABC 7 News. We'll finish up hour number one. Bernie's coming by here for hour two. We'll check in with the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl watch and give away some tickets and pick some games. All that's still to come right here on 600 ESPN El Paso. All right, 11 in front of five as we continue here on Sports Talk. 505-6009, that is our telephone number to get into the program. would love to hear from you. If you are looking to enlist the help uh, in order of, of a, uh, an agent and their team to help sell your home and, and buy a new one, I'll tell you right now who I recommend, who you should uh, too. His name is Brian Birds. And uh, he is not just a Brian Birds, but he's got a team, the Brian Birds Home Selling Team, powered by EXP Realty. And, and why do I recommend Brian on this show? Because of results. In fact, this El Paso family enlisted Brian's help and his team to sell their home and buy a new one. And guess what? That home sold in just three days. Three days! The team made it their priority to get them settled in their new home. Made sure they were taken care of. Brian's team is highly recommended by his family, and uh, the family even said they'd scream off the rooftops if they could about Brian Birds. So, folks, you think about um, you know one of the reasons why Brian uh, is so so successful. It's because he outsells his competition. His marketing dollars he spends creates immediate interest in your home. Homes that have been spending months or years on the market with other agents, Brian is able to sell in a matter of days. So call the official real estate agent of UTEP, El Paso Locomotive FC, and the Rhinos. He's the only agent I would call if I needed to sell my home. Call Brian Birds today, 751-1500, online at brianbirds.com, or Google Brian, B-U-R-D-S, and start packing. All right, 10 in front of 5 right now as we continue here on our Wednesday edition of the program uh, our phone number, 505-6009, gets you right on in and through to the program. Saw this story earlier, and you really can't say you're surprised, and that is the story of Robert Sarver now saying that he will sell the Phoenix Suns and WNBA Phoenix Mercury. Listen, when you own an NBA team like and a WNBA team like Sarver does, and all of these stories start to come out, from so many different individuals about the kind of person you are, what you've said, and, and how you react, there is no way that you're going to be able to um, stay on board as an owner in professional sports. So can't say I'm surprised. I'm a little surprised it's taken this uh, you know, a week for Sarver to announce he's going to be selling the Suns. I thought this would have happened uh, you know, 
like days ago once this really started to go viral. Yeah, I felt like uh, actually this this could have been even a year ago, Steve. Like uh, there are two of the worst. There there are two really 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 bad owners right now in sports. Number one, Dan Snyder. Number two, or I should say, one B uh, right here, Robert Sarver, and he's Ugh. horrible. Uh, I'm so happy that he's selling the team, and it's not you know this this stuff right here that happened, which has been happening for years. Uh, the racist comments that he made, mm-hmm. the uh, se- the sexual conduct that he made as well, the sex- uh, harassment, uh, you know, things that he said. And also on top of all this, he's a terrible owner. He doesn't spend money. He doesn't go out and get free agents. He doesn't take care of his own players. He's a horrible owner. So I'm very happy that this is the case. And, th- and you know, we should definitely be celebrating the fact that he is selling the team. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm just curious now to see who's going to buy them, aren't you? Yeah, maybe it's uh, the Fenway Sports Group and uh, and LeBron James joins in on that purchase. Oh, my God. That would be wild. That would be wild. Let's go to Dan. He joins us next. Eight in front of five as Sports Talk continues. Hey, Dan, how are you? I am well, Steve. How about yourself? Doing fine. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate it. I just want to comment on what you were talking about earlier, both of you guys, on Lisa Campos. You know what? That just shows how backward my alma mater is. She, she could... The miners could have had her as the athletic director. I don't know what happened, but but look the chances that she's taken in hiring coaches and and what they have produced for a for a university that was really insignificant. I mean, a lot of people didn't even know that yep. that uh, San Antonio had a, a a a university that was part of the Texas system. I mean, you know what? Uh, uh, I'm a minor supporter, but I tell you what, I'm not going to join the bandwagon and say Demo's got to go or anything like that. But I am very disappointed. You know, he's had enough time to build his own program. You've got a quarterback that's a starter for three years. I'm sorry, that kid is not a Division One starter. He is a Division One talent, no doubt about it. But as a starter, no way. And Demo needs to really, and you said it, you know, he needs to really instill confidence in that offensive line, which is all returning. And for him, yesterday when I heard him saying that, oh, they're playing so much better, well, I, I don't see it. I mean, I may be seeing something wrong, and I never claim to be an expert. But but you know what? What this guy talks about, what Demo talks about, and what the product is out there on that field, I mean, it's night and day. I, I, don't, know what, I don't know what he's talking well, about because – go ahead. Now, let me say this, okay? Uh, The one thing I will say is um, I don't know yet if Steve Henson will be able to have the kind of success with the men's basketball program like we've seen with uh, Jeff Trailer in the football program. So she has she has struck gold at least early on with Trailer. Nobody's denying that. And and football drives the revenue. So, Correct. you know, you, it'll be interesting to see. She's also uh, she's getting facilities built. Look, you know what she's doing? She's tapping into San Antonio. That's what she's doing. And she's mm-hmm. being able to get dollars raised. And that's huge because you think about it, you have the Spurs. No one's ever even thought about UTSA. And if Lisa can keep doing big things over there, she's going to do really well for herself as a, as a director of athletics. I, I think she will. And, and, you know, I hope that UTEP did not come up with this thing that she's a home girl. She's a girl on top of that. Uh, we need to move on and keep the good old boy uh, going. I mean, I don't I, think so. I think you know what I think it was. I think it was this. Bob Stoll was here twenty years. 
I think they wanted right. a break from Bob. They did not want to bring somebody maybe on board that, that they wanted a clean break. They wanted somebody new, someone fresh, and someone that wasn't tied here because the program wasn't in good shape. And you always wondered, would it be any better if you brought someone in that you know was uh, was tied to that old regime? That could have been it. So yeah, I don't but know. But you know what? Is. Listen, one hire makes an, can make an AD. You have a great hire and they win, all of a sudden you're hot. And that could definitely be the case. With, with Lisa and, and the choice to take Jeff Trailer and bring him in. So I got to get to a break. I appreciate it, Dan. Bernie's next. Tony the Tiger Sunball Watch is up as we continue. Wind and fire. September. These guys are fun live. They're having a party. That's what it is. And you're invited. That's the way, that's the way I felt when I've seen these guys twice in concert. Don Haskins Center and I saw him up there in Albuquerque. The Sled Amphitheater, terrific. Absolutely terrific. Happy well, 21st day of September. Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, you could play this song almost every day, but it's great. That's 100% right. 21 days already into September. How great is that? Is that Was this planned? This was planned, yeah. Definitely. Really? Yeah, it was planned. I wish I could tell you it was just coincidence. Good for you. <laughs> I would like that. That's good stuff. No, I'd rather you tell me it's planned than coincidence. I like the fact that you're thinking about themes on the show. It's good. Tony, I had to look at the, the day, and that was pretty much it. That's nice. <laughs> uh, Tony the Tiger Sumbo Watch is up with us right now. Bernie Olivas is here, executive director. Tony the Tiger Sumbo Game and the Sumbo Association, where we look at uh, the ACC, the Pac-12, and, and how it relates to the uh, to the game itself. We'll also be picking games. We'll play trivia. we got so much going on today. We have a new celebrity guest picking games. That's going to be a lot of fun. Excited about that. Although, uh, you know, Lane Frank, I'll say this, uh, Bernie, um, he didn't win. He didn't beat everybody, but he did pretty good for his first shot to uh, to go up against everyone. It wasn't bad. I think he got intimidated when he saw that I was picking against him because yep. I had a pretty good week. <laughs> you probably the best week you've had in years. Probably ever. <laughs> but do you have 9 out of 10? 9 out of 10, and I was so proud of myself on Sunday morning until I saw all the results on Monday and realized that there was 8 guys that got 10 out of 10 and about 30 guys that got 9 out of 10. But it's still, that's the best. I think that could have been my best week ever. Isn't it amazing how many people pick these games right every week? Unbelievable. I how, agree how with you. That. And some of them are pretty hard to pick. They're very hard to pick. So. But uh, congratulations, congratulations to all those people who got 10 out of 10. And our winner, I can't, don't Whew. have the name, and our winner missed the total points by one. That's By it, one point. It, it makes you wonder, are they, uh, are, they, are they from the future? Like, do they really know the results and they somehow find your website and decide to uh, pick those games uh, just because they, are, they already know the outcomes? I don't know how they do it, but they, congratulations to all those people. Oh, yeah. Absolutely congratulations to them. I'm so impressed, and yet I am and I'm not. Like, I'm, I'm impressed, but... Sometimes I say to myself, well, you know what? These guys are just, they're, they're, they're that good. And by the way, not just guys, gals, ladies. My goodness, you've had more female winners than you've had males so far this year. Yes, we have. And that's, that's awesome that, that a lot of people, different people are playing. So, so good for them. We'll do that a little bit later in our second segment. We've got a new celebrity guest who says he's going to be here. So, uh, celebrity, if you're listening, get your uh, butt butt down here, and we can see you in about uh, 
10 or uh, 15 minutes, and then we'll uh, start picking those games with you. But meanwhile, let's talk about the results from last week. Uh, game of the week, uh, well, it lived up to the hype. Louisville-Florida State was a terrific football game, Bernie, and Florida State ended up uh, eking it out 35-31. This was close from start to finish. Yeah, Florida State is, is for real this year. Yep, under, 3-0. Under new coach, they, uh, and they're, they're playing some really good football. Uh, I think, uh, I don't know. Coach Norvell has done a great job. You know they sneaked a they sneaked a kind of a lucky win uh, the week before with the with the extra, the missed extra point, and uh, but now they're they're playing pretty good football now. So watch out for them and and Clemson. Clemson is playing good football as well. So we'll they see are. how that works. How Clemson, that works out. Clemson beat La Tech forty eight to twenty, so they stay undefeated. A and M did beat Miami seventeen to nine. So uh, the Hurricane lose for the first time in twenty twenty two. Uh, North Carolina State beat Tech. That was a big win for them. Wake eked out one against Liberty. Liberty is going to be such a good football team when they come to Conference USA next year. Oh, absolutely. Oh, my goodness. They are good. They are good. They are, they are really good. Ah, so, uh, our uh, celebrity is here, so somebody let him in. Please, let's let the celebrity guest uh, pick her in. Please, we got to make sure we don't keep him waiting. God forbid. Uh, also, if you look at some of the other uh, games we had, uh, Syracuse-Purdue turned out to be Game of the Week material. Absolutely, I picked that one that one correctly as well. I think uh, Syracuse is three and zero as well. I tell you what, there are seven, seven undefeated teams in the ACC right now. Of course, that's going to change when they get into conference play, and uh, there's five undefeated teams in the Pac-12. So we are uh, looking forward to a, you know looking forward to some pretty good teams coming to the coming to the Tony the Tiger Sumble on December thirtieth this year. Uh, Got to remind everybody and. I don't know if we're going to start with this, but I don't know if this is an official beginning of the countdown, but we are exactly 100 days from the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl today. So, Did you plan uh, that? What's that? Did you plan that, that you were going to make your appearance here on the 100-day uh, you know, anniversary before the game? That's Been pretty saving good. that for a long time. I like we wanted, that, Bernie. We wanted to break that out on your show. But yes, Thank it's you. 100, 100 days to the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl, and we are excited, especially because both our conferences are doing well. And you know the only game that I missed, and I feel bad, I, I feel real feel bad because I went against I went against the Pac-12, and I picked Michigan State to be Washington. And I did, too. I thought that was, a, yeah, that was a good pick. It just you know, didn't work out, but you had everything else in in fact, USC beat up on Fresno. That was a rout. Um, you mentioned the Washington 39-28 win at home against Michigan State. Um, I was surprised that Oregon handled BYU as easily as they did. It kind of makes me wonder if that first week against Georgia was just a fluke. You're absolutely right. And I think, it, you know, hey, Georgia's the number one team in the country. And uh, they were playing, you know, they weren't playing at, you know, they weren't playing at home. It was a mutual side game, but still, Georgia's a pretty good football team this year, and I still think Oregon is really, really good, and they'll be up, they'll be up fighting for that for that uh, Pac-12 championship at the end of the year. Teams just aren't used to getting drilled like they did early on, and sometimes you get shell shocked, and they just keep piling piling it on. That was probably the case in that game. And you know, as I said, there are five undefeated teams in the Pac-12, but two of those who are not undefeated are Utah and Oregon. And those are the two teams that are picked to pick the bid at the top, mm-hmm. and they played two pretty tough teams on the road. Uh, so they could easily have seven undefeated teams as well if they hadn't picked the, the number one team in the country to play against. Arizona State lost to Eastern Michigan over the weekend, thirty to twenty-one at home. Herm Edwards out as head coach, costing, costing. I think that cost him his job, and you know he was a, he's a great ambassador for college football when he was here. And uh, sorry to see him go, but uh, God, nowadays it's uh, you know you got to win. You do have to win. That's exactly right. Uh, Arizona won. They barely won. They beat North Dakota State. 
uh, 31-28. In that game, Jacob Cowing, five catches, 55 yards, and a touchdown. And I think he might have had the game winner uh, in the fourth quarter with that one. So former minder keeps coming up big week after week for Arizona. You know, and beating North Dakota State is no it's no small feat. You know, they're perennial, you know, the Division Two champions every they year. Are. So uh, that's a great win for the for the Wildcats down in Tucson. You see, uh, UCLA squeak one out against South Alabama, thirty two thirty one, in front of about five thousand fans in Pasadena. <laughs> that's another thing. Um, surprised at all by the lack of fans going to watch the Bruins play? I mean, they are they're three and zero, and you would never know it. Because uh, they're drawing some of the worst totals in all of college football. I just, I just wondering if if them leaving the Pac-12 has anything to do with with some of their fans being disgruntled. But it shouldn't they're because going to the Big Ten. they're bringing some they're bringing some Big Ten schools down now to LA to see you know see teams that that they'd never get to see. But uh, yeah, the crowds are very disappointing. They announced twenty nine thousand, uh, but uh, there were plenty of uh, fans disguised as empty seats at that game uh, in Pasadena over the weekend. But still thirty two thirty one. So as you mentioned, let's talk about the standings before we get to our second segment, which we'll play trivia too, and then we'll bring on our celebrity uh, picking games with us. But you look at the ACC right now, Bernie. Through uh, three games, we still have a ton of undefeated teams. In fact, in the Atlantic, you've got Clemson. Florida State, Syracuse, NC State, and Wake Forest undefeated. And in the Coastal, you've got Duke and North Carolina also undefeated. No winless teams in the ACC as well. Yeah, I would say Syracuse and Duke are the biggest surprises in the ACC this year. Uh, they've been down the last couple of years, but it's good to see them see them back. And again, that... Uh, you know, before they get into conference play, we're always hoping that they here at at, at Sumbo. We're hoping that they all win their non-conference games because uh, that means they might show up to Sumbo here at, with an eight-four record, seven-five records. You know, you know, if 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 we're picking the fifth pick team, fifth place team, then you know they've lost at least four games. But if right. they haven't lost any non-conference games, that's that's pretty good. Five ranked teams in the ACC, four ranked teams in the Pac-12. Here are your undefeateds. Washington State, Washington, UCLA, Oregon State, and USC. Uh, Oregon and Utah are both ranked uh, despite being 2-1 and one on the season. The only uh, winless team of anyone in, uh, the, in the two conferences – Colorado, the Buffaloes are 0 three. Yeah, and, you know they've got a, they've got a relative a second year coach, and uh, I think he you know he's a former uh, t- uh, Sumble coach. He brought UCLA here. Carl Durrell is the new coach over there at Colorado, and he brought uh, UCLA and won uh, when they played down here. So I think he can turn him around. Just give him a couple. Just let him give him a chance, and I think he'll he'll turn that program around. I'm with you on that one. All right, um, let's do trivia before we go to break. And uh, we will throw a good question out there. If uh, And by the way, first person to answer this correctly wins a pair of tickets to the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl game. You know, the last couple of weeks we've had some trivia questions that I thought were pretty tough, and they were answered almost immediately. So Eddie Morelos and Jay Pritchard have been digging. To, you know, we want to give away tickets to the game, but uh, we want them to work a little bit. So I think this one a little tougher. I'll be surprised if someone gets it right away. I won't. So... <laughs> For two tickets to the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl on December the 30th, the current Mid-American Conference, otherwise known as the MAC, are now 2-1 and one in the Sun Bowl game after Central Michigan beat uh, Washington State last year. Who are the other two current MAC teams to have played in the Sun Bowl and which other team won their Sun Bowl appearance? The conference is, a two, is a, they're 2-1 and one in the Sun Bowl. Right, and one of those is Central Michigan. And one of those Central Michigan. 
Who are the other two teams from the MAC who played in the Sun Bowl and the other team that won? Okay. First person through with the correct answer, 505-6009 wins. When we come back, we will meet our celebrity guest picker uh, and find out if he is up to the task to outpick all of us this week on uh, our uh, Chick-fil-A, Tony the Tiger, Sun Bowl Selectum Contest. We'll do that right after Charlie One, who's standing by with his traffic update. Congratulations. That is really good because I thought this was going to take a little bit longer. So congratulations. Now you get two tickets to the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. Congrats. Who are the two teams we're looking for in the MAC? The two teams that we're looking for in the MAC are Ohio, who played in 1962 versus West Texas State. And actually they lost 15-14. Mm. And the other one is Miami of Ohio, who played Texas Tech and won 13-12. And by wow. the way... The clue that I was going to give that wasn't necessary was that Arab Parsegian, legendary Notre Dame coach, actually played on Miami of Ohio's team that year. Oh, my gosh. That's a good one. That's a good one. That is a good one. All right. Look, we've got a lot of games to get to. Let's do Sports Center quickly. Then we'll come back with um, we'll come back with Oregon and Washington State and finish this off. But first, here he is, Adrian Broadus in this Sports Center update. Now, Oscar Leeser, uh, mayor of El Paso, was our celebrity pick this week here on the Chick-fil-A Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl Selectum Contest. Let's get to the next game uh, on the list. Pac-12 will go. Oregon, the 15th-ranked team in the country at 2-1, going to be visiting Pullman, Washington, and Martin Stadium, taking on undefeated Washington State. That's right, Wazoo, undefeated, six-and-a-half-point underdogs at home. Oscar, kick us off on this one. Well, as Bernie said, you know, Oregon's a good team, and Oregon will be in the running for, you know, the Pac-12, and I will go with Oregon. All right. I will take Washington State, so there we go. Well, now I've won two games for Congratulations. sure. So I'm, I'm almost close to Jim Center and Tony the Tiger. Uh, don't get too excited yet. I know. Not, I'm uh, not, not breathing room there. I like, I like Washington State. I think they're legit this year. This is probably their biggest home game of the season outside of the Apple Cup. They are going to be ready for Oregon. They're going to be juiced up. The fans are going to be off the charts. This is the game they've been marking on their calendars. So I'll take the Cougars. Uh... Let's go now to Adrian. The Oregon Ducks demolished BYU last week. I'm taking Oregon on the road, 15th-ranked Ducks. All right, Bernie. Coach Dickert is doing a tremendous job at Washington State, but I don't think they're going to beat Oregon. I, I'm going with Oregon. I'm going with the Ducks. All right, fair enough. There's that big I'm, upset. I'm on my own. There's I'm the big on upset. My own. That's exactly right. So yep. three Oregon Ducks <laughs> and one Washington State Cougar pick. All right, Jay Pritchard, hope you're listening. Uh, and this could be the last time I pick Washington State in a big game, but we'll see what happens. Arizona and Cal, that is next up. Bernie, I'll let you lead us off on this one in the Pac-12. Arizona 2-1, and one, Cal 2-1. and one. It's in Berkeley at Cal Memorial Stadium. Cal, the Golden uh, Bears, three-point favorites uh, against Arizona. Bernie, who do you like? You know, Arizona had a big win this last week, one not that don't come very often but against a very good Division II school in North Dakota State. But but Cal is 2-1. Is and one. Uh, They're playing really good football, and I, I'm going to go with the home team, and I'm going with Cal. I'm with you. you know what? I'm with you on that one. I, I, I learned Dolores played well. He does have Jacob Cowing. Um, they've been fun to watch. There's a lot of UTEP interest because of that. But I'm staying with you. I'll go Cal also at home as the favorites. What about you, Oscar? 
I'd like to go right after Adrian, if you don't mind. Okay, Adrian, go next. I'm going with Arizona in this game. Cal has beat UNLV. They've beat UC Davis. They haven't beat anybody right now. I'm giving I'm giving this one to Arizona. Wow, you think Arizona's going to turn their season around that much after last season where they were miserable, huh? Yes, yes. Okay, uh, Oscar. I'm going with Arizona. So you and Adrian and on the Adrian same and I, page. You know, we we got kind of got together and uh, I like that. We're, we're, we both got Arizona. You broke bread, and now you're picking the same games. That's good. All right, then why don't you follow it up, Adrian, with this next game, and that's Boston College and uh, Florida State. One of the early surprises of the college football season. Florida State, 3-0. and uh, Perfect with Boston College, 1-2. and It's the 6 o'clock game Saturday night from Doak Campbell Stadium in Tallahassee. FSU, 17.5-point favorites. Straight-up winners. Who are we looking at? Yeah, I'm going with Florida State in this one. All right, Oscar. I'm, um, this is the Jimbo Bowden post football team. Mm-hmm. So I'm going with Florida State. All right. Uh, Bernie. I'm with you. I'm, I'm still waiting for that I'm upset. With you. Where's your big upset? I did. I gave you that. North Carolina, Notre Dame. No, you didn't. You took I'm the going favorite. With Florida State. You All took right. the favorite. I am also going Florida State. We're unanimous, guys. We are unanimous in this one. Now, if Bernie wants to pick an upset, here is a game ripe for the picking, all right? USC visiting Oregon State. USC is 3-0. Oregon State is 3-0. It's in Corvallis, and yet the Beavers are six-and-a-half-point dogs to the seventh-ranked Trojans. I'm going to go first on this one. Thank you. I didn't even have to open my mouth. That's go ahead. right. I want to go first on this one because this is the upset. Oregon State is was undefeated last year at home. Mm-hmm. Oregon State's currently undefeated at home and will stay undefeated. Wow, that's a big that's a big win right there. So you think that despite the hot start from Caleb Williams and the USC offense, uh, despite uh, potential Heisman candidates galore, Jordan Addison, they are going to go down in defeat and get shocked by the Beavers. Did you not hear my pick? I did. I'm just wondering. So why are you questioning it then? Because I'm giving you a chance to back out. Okay, so I get a second pick. Yes. Okay, Oregon State. Fair enough. He's doubling down, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Bernie, you're next. You know, you listen to all the pundits on ESPN and all KR, you know, CBS radio and everything. Yeah, you were going to say KROD, but keep going. <laughs> they, yeah, I was. They were, everybody's almost saying that USC has poten- potential to be one of the playoff teams. Yep. And who am I to go against guys that, that do this for a living? I'm going with USC. Okay. We're in agreement. Um, what about you, Adrian? Are you siding with us or with uh, the mayor of El Paso? Uh, sorry, mayor. We're going to have to go with USC on this one. Caleb Williams looking looking awesome so far. I think a lot of people, uh, a lot of us picked uh, Fresno State last week. And, uh, yeah, the Trojans have remained strong. All right. Adrian, I'll give you the easiest pick of the week. Number 13, Utah visiting ASU. Okay, that's another Pac-12 matchup. ASU is 1-2. and two. They lost their head coach. Utah is 2-1. and one. Uh, This game is at Sun Devil Stadium in Tempe. Utah, 15.5-point road dogs. Lead us off. Yeah, this one might uh, warrant a unanimous vote from all of us, Utah, in this game. All right. I'm with you on that one. Oscar. Well, I am. Uh, I'm going with Utah also, but now that Arizona State lost our coach, there could be... Some bull bound. They just might be. I know. I'm they just you. might be. That seems to be a trend around know, here, isn't it? Oh my goodness! All you right. Know, our first year we did the Sun Bowl. That's true. We, we had Miami and Notre Dame, and uh, Miami had just lost their head coach, mm-hmm. and uh, we ended up with with Miami. So 
That's, that was the trend while we were there. I, what a trend that it's was. happened several times. I <laughs> know, that's what I'm not the only time it happens. <laughs> that's what I was talking yeah. about. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Bernie, what about you? Oh, yeah. That's, Utah. That's, yeah, let's go Utah. Adrian? Yeah, I already picked Utah. Okay, yeah. and then I'm going you, Utah. You want to double down? I'll and, double down. I'll go there he goes. He doubled down. I've already, I've already asked you, Oscar. You've took Utah, too, correct? Yeah, I'll double down also. All right, so there it is. Everybody's taking Utah over Arizona State. Final game. Oscar will lead us off. Pac-12, Stanford, and number 18, Washington in the Pac-12. Stanford, 1-1. One one. Washington, 3-0. and Husky Stadium in Seattle. Washington, nearly two touchdown favorites. Minus 13.5. Will we see an upset here uh, in this one? Well, I'm the only one that's picked an upset, it sounds like. So the answer is no. I'm going to go with Washington. Stanford struggled uh, last year and has continued to struggle this year. Okay. So you are going Washington over Stanford. Bernie. If this was being played in Palo Alto, I would have probably gone with Stanford because I think Coach, you know, Coach is a tremendous guy. He's a good friend. Been here to some bowls. You know, I'm talking about David Shaw. But uh, at home, number 18, Washington. Uh, I'm gonna have to go. Gonna have to go with the Huskies. Okay, Adrian. Yeah, Huskies for sure in this one. We're unanimous. So there we go. Picks are now locked. Let's do the tiebreaker. Total points: uh, Notre Dame, North Carolina. Mr. Mayor, will you have the honor of starting this one off? Total points: North Carolina and Notre Dame. Forty-two. Forty-three. Okay. 43. Yeah, I forgot they did make that extra point, 43. All right, 43 it is. Adrian. <laughs> I'll go 51. <laughs> All right, Bernie. You know, I, I don't remember what I put it on, on, on the computer, but I think it was 54. I'm going with 54. That's what I have, 54 as well. So, oh, yeah, well, right. Well, we yeah, right. We, we can't get the same I mean, number of teams. We can't get the name number of teams because we're not the same. So. We're not, we haven't even picked anywhere close to the same games this week. We're completely so, in a different yeah. spot. So, so I don't this think is that, good. I don't think that total point is going to make a difference. Maybe an Adrian and I should go 51. Well, the, why don't or you do that? Don't well, you know, the over-under like is 55 and a half. That's the, the, the total. So it's 55 and a half oh, is really? what the odds makers are saying. Oh, okay. So you wait went, till we give our number before you give us that information. Thank you very much for holding would, out. Would you like to change your no, pick? No, no, I'm okay with 43. You had 43. Would you like to go? So you're going under. All right. No, no, I'm very confident. Thank you. Fair enough. We are just about there. Um, Oscar, how good do you feel about your picks this week? Well, let me refresh myself. If I hadn't felt good about it, I would not have picked them. Ah. And I feel very confident about these picks that I think Bernie will have some leftover Chick-fil-A. Ah, I like that. All Listen right. to that. That's a, that's and, you a know, and I know he wants to give out some Chick-fil-A because they're the sponsor. And they've yes. Been very, right. You know, it's always great to support your sponsor. But, uh, you know, so I think maybe that uh, we ought to go ahead and maybe plan on giving it away anyway. But that's we'll so. talk about that a little later. You got it. Like I said, Joey and Anthony Martinez over there are just tremendous sponsors. They, and like I said, uh, love to give a shout-out to them over at uh, Chick-fil-A over there on Edgemere and, and uh, Airway. Very nice. They do um, a great job, too. Good job, guys. Uh, I know you're both busy. Bernie, we appreciate you being here every, each and every week. Mr. Mayor, thanks for dropping by. Thanks for joining us at our Lubingo Studios. And good luck on the uh, selections this week. Thank you. Appreciate that. And I will see you uh, again in uh, about a month when you will be one of these celebrity roasters for yours truly for the uh, Child Guidance Center of El Paso. We get a chance to do that. Uh, that's going to be coming up on October 26th on a Wednesday night. Have you, prepared what, have you prepared your stuff? To it. Good. Do you have all your material done yet, or are you still working on that? You know, that the problem with it has been that it's so much material and I'm limited on time. You are. I have to sit there and cut it back, and that's where I'm, I'm working on you know, really selecting 
the top ones. Mm. And there's so many good ones that uh, it's hard to do that. So I may go for the over-under and ask for the over on TimeWise. I would love to hear the director's cut of this one. I think that <laughs> would be a lot of fun. Oh, my God. All right, well, listen, appreciate you being here. Good luck, everybody, and uh, we'll do this again next week. Steve, if you don't mind me. I don't mind promoting you, one of our one of our other events that's coming up. Please, let's Peter do it. Piper Pizza, the punt, pass, and kick contest that will be take place at the Sumbo Stadium on October 11th. Oh, excellent! From about 5:30 to 7. It's open to anybody from 8 to 15. Uh, get, get to ride in the parade. Get to be introduced at the at the Tony the Tiger Sumbo football game. Uh, just stop by uh, any any Peter Piper Pizza and register. Obviously, no purchase necessary. But again, that will be on October 11th. The Peter Piper Pizza. Sun Bowl punt, pass, and kick contest. Like I said, open to anybody from 8 to 15. Come on over, have a good time. You'll get fed, you'll get some bottles, you'll get a couple of prizes, you get T-shirts, you get all kinds of things, and, and then uh, the winners will be, we'll get to run the parade and at the football game. So thank you for letting me say that. You got it. I'm enjoying that. Very nice. I think Joel might have to make his debut in the uh, punt, pass, and kick there this year. Go. That'll be a lot of fun. Looking there forward you. to it. You, you know, one thing about Joel that I think is important that your listeners know that Joel does love me. He does. Yeah. Uh, he said that when he was about, what, was he about five, six years old when he said well, it to you for the first time? A, words of a babe. You know, yes. that's important because they say exactly what's on their mind. That's true. He did tell you he loves you. And every time you see him, you remind him of that, and he reminds you that he still loves you. It's nice. <laughs> All right. And we're going to come back, wrap up our number two in a moment. Stay with us. Sports Thank Talk you. continues right here. Thank you. 600 ESPN El Paso. little vintage rush for you to get you started in our final hour. By the way, I know everybody knows Rush from the 80s and 90s, but if you listen to their 70s stuff, which is so different, um, progressive rock, prog rock, so much fun. So, so much fun. Anyway, I was listening to some live Jethro Tull today on my way to work, and that was also good. So, uh, note to Adrian, a little, uh, little Jethro Tull action in there. I'd be happy. So um, if we could, that would be great. UTEP Zay producing the show to begin our final hour of the program. Welcome aboard, Zay. Good to have you here. And uh, uh, you've been listening to all the conversations so far today. Uh, interesting as we're at the middle of the week right now, Zay. we got the Boise game essentially 48 hours from now. And uh, after that, seven more conference games left for UTEP. So uh, this is a, an interesting part of the season right now because – I'm, you know, I was completely off where I thought UTEP would be. Um, and, and funny enough, I thought the Miners would win games they've been losing. Now I wonder if, if they're going to be able to uh, win a game that everybody's picking them to lose or if they're just going to not be able to really turn this thing around anytime soon. Um, yeah, well, this is um, – it should be an interesting game, see what they change, see what happened, but – I don't think they win it, but I think they keep it close. You do. So you think that remember the Miners haven't uh, the Miners have not yet this season um won a game against the spread. They are 0 and 4 against the spread and they are I think last time I checked it was like 16 and a half yeah. with Boise. So I hear Adrian in the background. Is that uh Adrian you there? Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm 
<laughs> I can't even hear you. It's great. Uh, go find a microphone. Go find a mic to jump into, Adrian. There no, no go. worries. I, I, I'm over here. So uh, th- this is, uh, yeah, 16 and a half point spread, Steve. Uh, you know, UTEP uh, has not won a game against the spread, unfortunately, for them. But uh, I, I don't know about this one. You know, Boise State, how, what do we take away from their first uh, win against New Mexico? What do we even take away from their win against UT Martin? I, I don't know if we could take anything away from either of those. And I don't know if we're going to even take away anything from this upcoming game against the Miners. So I don't, I don't know what, how good they are, what kind of quality team they are. I just know that they've got a two-headed monster in their running back group uh, that's going to look to run over UTEP. Yeah, I don't know. Listen, and you know what else? I was listening to the show yesterday at uh, Moon Tower with Dana Dimmel, and he's talking uh, to John about how big they are on the defensive side yep. and saying that they've got like defensive backs that are like 6'4". And I'm thinking to myself, oh, man, I mean, from a size standpoint, they, they, they probably are one of those teams that immediately passes the eye test when you look at them against power five schools, let alone against a group of five schools. Yeah, I was uh, I was with Zay, actually, when we were covering some high school football uh, following that Boise State-New Mexico game. And the, one of the big takeaways I had was the Broncos' defense did not allow the Lobos to score at all. Like, they, they locked down defensively. And if uh, UTEP has had these early season struggles like we've seen offensively, I don't know how UTEP scores points against Boise State, against this uh, tougher defense. I mean, Aranda last year, uh, that was his first year uh, as a head coach over there for Boise State, and he started to turn things around already. I know yep. that the the game against Oregon State to open up the year was a little alarming. Now you feel a little bit better about that score, knowing what kind of a team the Beavers really are, uh, but Boise State going into this game, they're way more defensive-centric than they were last year. Uh, and uh, Last year's game, by the way, Steve, 54-13 in favor of Boise State, and that was over there. I, I don't know what this year brings. I don't know either. I'm with you on that one. So, but you know what? Listen, I mean, I'm looking at their cornerbacks. They start a five eleven and six foot corner on the left and right side, and you want to know their safeties. They do have a six four, two hundred and twenty pound safety. That's going to be fun. Wow. But then they've got a five eight, hundred and eighty five pound free safety. Well, I mean, Gavin Hardison's going to have to recognize the coverage, go over the top if that's the case. I mean, if you're telling me if he's a free safety, then uh, I'm looking at more middle of, uh, middle passes, not those deep balls. I, I'm not looking at – I'm looking at more of those short plays. Yep. Be more efficient in the passing game. I, I mean, is that too much to ask for this UTEP well, football team? I, I, I just want to see what kind of play distribution we're also going to see on Friday. I mean, they go really with a 3-3-5, three, three, uh, and they play a nickel corner who's 6-2-205. Two, I mentioned the uh, the corners are 5'11 and 6 feet. They've got a free safety, 5'8, 185. Um, then they've got the strong safety, 6'4, 220. Uh, their, their linebackers are 5'11, 240, 6 foot 235. And then their uh, edge rusher is 6'3, 260. And then their three guys up front are 6'3, 255, 6'2, 305, and 6'4, 300. You know, uh, you mentioned their pass rusher. Did you? Is it? Is it George Tarlas? Is that? No, is that the it's guy Dimitri you're looking at? Washington. Well, George Tarlas, by the way, he's Steve, the defensive end. He's six three, two fifty five. He's a he's a beast. He's got two sacks on the year. He leads yeah. their defense. Seven sacks as a unit. This team likes to rush the passer. Isn't that a little worrisome for UTEP, which has already allowed six sacks to Gavin Hardison thus far? Yeah, I mean, uh, listen, it's not uh, it's not particularly good. They gotta they gotta figure out what to do with him. That's all they gotta do. Um, but you know, I mean, we're looking at the size and they got plenty of guys that are five, eight, five, nine, five, ten, five, eleven. 
on the defensive side. So I don't know. I mean, I was listening to the show yesterday, and I thought the whole team was like six four, uh, you know, across the board. But it's not like that. They just and they're really they're they're two linebackers are five eleven two forty and six foot two thirty five. Yeah, I, I get it. It's it's kind of um, it's not as big. It's not as much size as maybe Dana Dimmel alluded to earlier this week. I also, I mean, going back to what I initially said, uh, Broncos right now ranked twelfth in total defense across college football. Oh my God. But but how? But that stat might be a little skewed, right? Because I mean, they go up against New Mexico, they shut those guys out, and yep. then they go up against UT Martin, they shut those guys down as well. And so it's like, how much do you really take away against uh, those True. two opponents right there? And Oregon State scored thirty four against them to start the season. They beat them pretty convincing. 34-17 to start the year. Yeah, I, I guess the one thing I am worried about is uh, one of the things that Oregon State could not do is run the ball against uh, Boise State. Uh, that's one of the strong points with Boise State as well. They're 14th in the country in their rush defense. And by the way, um, I would be shocked, shocked if UTEP runs the ball uh, much on Friday, wouldn't you? I think they're going to have to put the ball in the air. And then the only question is, if that's the case, what will they be able to do to try to get Gavin some confidence and uh, and, and complete more than fifty percent of his passes? You're you're uh, you said it right there, confidence, because you got to string along a lot more passing plays and, and efficient passing plays, right? Because I'll give you another stat with Boise State; they're number one in the country, actually, or actually second in the country in third down conversion percentage on defense so they like to get uh, teams out on three and outs easily and what has UTEP shown in the past couple games is hey they they uh, put together three and out drives offensively so UTEP has to string along a lot of these drives build the confidence with Gavin Hardison it's my, it might not be through the ground because of how stifling this defense is with the Broncos but uh, air it out and, and do efficient short passing plays to give your quarterback some confidence I'll say this though Adrian and Zay and and I, and I think this is important. If they can't start running the ball, don't just abandon it. Don't give up on it. Give it an opportunity. Give it a try. And sometimes we've seen little short passes from Hardison that almost equate to runs. We've seen that before, where Hardison will throw the ball, a little out pass, and uh, maybe Ray Flores will gain five, six yards. Hey, that's like a run, in my opinion. You know, you don't have to throw the ball 20, 30, 40 yards downfield. You could easily throw little out patterns, get five, six, seven yards a shot, and you want to know something? That's just as good as a run. Yeah, yeah. And in my opinion, I think they should just simplify it. You know, just go with what has worked for you this, this so far, you know, against OU. They were simplifying, and they got some pretty good drives against that good OU defense. Now you say simplify. How complicated is it throwing the ball 30 yards downfield? I mean, seriously, is it that difficult? I mean, I don't think it's – I don't necessarily know it's simplifying because I don't really think that it's so complex right now offensively watching their team throw, Zay. They're just throwing the ball down the field, chucking it 30, 35 yards every time, and they're, and they're always making long passes. But to me – I don't necessarily know if that's called simplifying the offense. I think it's just you know shortening the field a little bit and throwing shorter passes that are higher percentage passes than necessarily going all the way downfield. When I hear simplify, though, it makes me sound like UTEP's got the most complex offense in college football, and they don't. All they do is throw the ball deep downfield the majority of the time. And that, to me, is not complex. That's just a very, you know, pass-happy offense that's always looking deep downfield for most of their completions. Well, yeah, yeah. I guess simplify might not be the word, but I guess just going with what has worked for you. I mean, we've seen these quick, short passes work for them. And, well, 
they get away from it a lot. So hopefully, you know, we see a change in the play calling maybe. I hope so. I'm with you, though. More like Oklahoma, right? More like Oklahoma. Yeah. That would be that would be good. Yeah. Uh, Chad's listening to the show, and L. Middle Fingerton tweets the program, too early to talk quarterback change. See, here's my problem with that, okay, Chad? And, and it's very true. Gavin might not be the guy. I mean, we might see after the end of this season, we might say to ourselves, you know what? Gavin Hardison was a product of Jacob Cowing and Justin Garrett of these last two seasons. And without him, you know, passes that he used to throw up that they would get, he might not have guys that can do that anymore. So suddenly, you know, Gavin's effectiveness drops. So if, if my biggest thing is this. I do not look at this roster, top to bottom, as far as quarterbacks, and see really anybody right now that I could say, man, why aren't they getting more snaps, getting an opportunity to play? When I've seen Calvin Brownholtz, and you could talk North Texas all you want, when I've seen Calvin Brownholtz, he's done one of two things. Either A, runs the Wildcat, or B, when he does com- try to complete passes, they get picked off. Because I feel like Calvin's thrown a lot of picks in his brief time throwing the ball for UTEP. So I don't necessarily know if Calvin's the answer, and he's the most experienced quarterback behind him. And I know they've got some junior co- junior college quarterbacks also on the roster and some freshmen, but I don't know if they're also ready to come in and, and start playing right now. I believe that when UTEP committed to Gavin two years ago, they have not brought anybody in to that quarterback room that poses any kind of threat to his playing time. It's his team, if healthy. We all know it. And even if he plays poorly, I don't see anybody on the roster, including Kevin Hurley or anybody else you're going to find, that is, is is Hurley still on the team or am I thinking of somebody no, else? No, you're exactly right. He's okay. still on the team. Thank you very much. Um, that, that right now, to me, poses a threat. I would love to see, love to see what um, the McNamara kid can do, but he's running the scout team right now as a true freshman. And I don't know if they're going to even think about putting him into the games at this point. So uh, right now, I mean, I don't see there really even being uh, a, con- a quarterback change or possibly uh, that happening. I think that they're going to roll the dice with Gavin all year because they really don't have anybody uh, behind him that you could say um, is, you know, is right there to take his job. Steve, uh, Gavin Hardison right now has uh, 26 starts under his belt. At the end of this year, he'll easily surpass the 30 mark. Um, We've seen a large body of work from Gavin Hardison up to this point. He didn't play pretty much his first year. That was his uh, sophomore year where he transferred over. He played in just uh, a couple games because he was a relief to Kai Loxley at that point. Uh, And we really saw him take the reins over in the pandemic-shortened season 2020. Last year, it was was kind of a split decision. some fans by the end of the year wanted a quarterback like competition going into the spring. Some fans said, "No, Gavin Hardison is the guy." Uh, they the, the coaching staff believed in Gavin Hardison all throughout the offseason. They did not recruit a single other quarterback to compete against him. Uh, they could have easily gotten a top junior college quarterback. They could have got a transfer, at, at, you know, out of the portal uh, to come in and compete against Gavin Hardison. But instead, they wanted to put all their trust into Hardison, and they'll have to live with that for good or for bad. And I think that has to be evaluated by the end of this year, whether or not they have success or if they do have success. And if they don't have success uh, once this year ends, Steve, my biggest question is how quickly, how quickly will they go out and try to find somebody else to try to replace Gavin Hardison? True, 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 true. 
16 past as uh, we continue here on Sports Talk. I'll tell you this, though. You want a hot take? I'll give you one. Jacob Cowing still on this team? This team is three and one right now. Mm. They're not. Oh. They're not. They're not one and three. They're three and one. I believe Jacob Cowing makes that much of a difference for this entire offensive unit. Absolutely believe it. And you know what? Tyron Smith would have been a beautiful compliment to him as a number uh, as a number two, taking the place of Justin Garrett and stepping up. But I absolutely believe Jacob Cowing is there. Gavin's that much better as a quarterback, and I'm telling you, I know it doesn't, it doesn't seem right that one player can make a difference, but I'm telling you right now, without, Ga- without Cowing, you can see clearly that the offense and the passing game is, is not the same. They're not. They're still putting up yards, but Jacob Cowing made big play after big play after big play, and he always seemed to find the end zone. And I'm telling you right now, Jacob Cowing is on this roster. We're looking at a 3-1 and football team going into Friday's game. They're starving for any kind of offense, Steve. Uh, Jacob Cowing would have immediately injected some life into their offense, and he would have scored some points for them, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, even when they couldn't get the passing game working with Jacob Cowing, they'd give him some kind of like a double reverse end mm-hmm. around, and they'd incorporate mm-hmm. him that way, and he'd have success. You, you disagree with me? No, I don't. I, I, I don't know about 3-1. and one. I think maybe like 2. But that would have at least swayed the New Mexico game a little bit. Maybe oh, they please. don't beat New, uh, North Texas Why game not? one. Why not? Uh, North, against North Texas, they had opportunities. How many drop passes did they have? Very true. I, I, I can't argue with you there. I, I just would have to say this offense has not generated points. I think Jacob Cowing's good for two touchdowns each game, and uh, you could sway it that way if, if you want to look at it like that. 100%. I mean, opportunities where they didn't get into the end zone against North Texas, that could be a totally different situation when you've got uh, Cowing uh, on the other side. Now, again, they don't have him. So this is really a, a um, you know a moot point, but I'm just telling you that to me, you don't realize the value of a player until you lose them, and they lost two last year because in addition to Cowing, they had Justin Garrett, who was a really really nice complimentary receiver to him these last two seasons, and you realize right now without him, um, you know Ray's been fine, and uh, Tyron Smith had a big game last week, but it's not the same situation. It's not the same situation. 18 past. The sports talk continues. Let's go to Charlie One. Get this traffic update. All right. little reactor from our friends at X-1 as we welcome you back to the show. I like this song. We don't hear this a lot on the show. It's nice when uh, you guys play this up for our friends, uh, David and Christian, local band, good people, great music. And uh, really happy you put that on. 23 passed as we continue here on Sports Talk. Our, our Twitter handle is 600 ESPN El Paso. You can call into the show right now, 505-6009. Uh, this came in a little while ago on Twitter from Poncho. Poncho uh, tweets the show, uh, Jacob Cowing made Gavin Hardison look good. Now we see what Hardison really is. A good quarterback can guide this team. Hardison makes bad decisions. Um, I'll say this about Poncho. You know, he hadn't thrown a pick against any of the first uh, three opponents or two opponents, and then uh, three opponents. That was right. First three games, no picks, and then against New Mexico. Yeah, he made some some really poor choices and some really poor passes. There's no doubt about it. And um, it kind of goes back to the previous statement we made, uh, Poncho, that Zay was talking about: is you're going to have to give him some confidence. You got to get him into a rhythm, 
and you got to play with his strengths. And if ultimately Gavin's the kind of quarterback that needs to get a couple of good completions under his belt just to get his rhythm going, then put him in a spot to succeed. But when you're constantly looking down the field and throwing into triple or quadruple coverage, even with his arm, it's almost impossible to succeed at that level. And that's the thing. So many of the passes he threw downfield against New Mexico were in, in, in tons of traffic. And you say to yourself, man, if there's three and four guys surrounding the ball in every pass attempt, why not do something else and go in a different direction? I also thought UTEP played way too aggressive in that game, and I, I think that was one of the problems with Hardison is when uh, UTEP started to get real tight, aggressive, they were down 10 nothing. a tip pass interception for a touchdown. I, I think Flair started to go up in everybody's minds, and yeah. uh, you know, Hardison started to get real nervous in the pocket. He started to get the happy feet, uh, get a little too uh, testy with some of his passes. And when they're uh, being aggressive with the play calling, I'm not talking about po- being positive aggressive, like, hey, let's uh, take some chances here and there. No, they're chucking up the deep ball and hoping that they hit the lottery on these uh, on these uh, you know big deep ball plays that just didn't work at all against New Mexico. And I think the craziest thing, the craziest thing is that When Dana Dimmel first arrived and he had Gavin Loxley as his quarterback, it was the most conservative offensive game plan you've ever seen in your entire life. Like, think about it. They didn't look downfield very much to throw the ball. A lot, it was a a lot of uh, RPOs where Loxley would keep it himself and run, and everybody in the stadium knew the plays that were being called when Kai Loxley was a quarterback. Now, it's like the exact opposite. Everybody in the stadium still knows what plays are going to be called, but instead of a very conservative offense, it's a pass-happy, go-down-the-field offense, which goes against everything that Dana Dimmel has always been about all his, all his time at UTEP. So it's weird that maybe he's trying to adjust to his skill set and feels like he's got a quarterback with a big arm, wants to utilize it, has some receivers that can make big plays, wants to utilize that, and really hasn't given the running game a chance to get going this year because they have put themselves behind and been in so many passing situations. And that's the other thing. I mean, you know, you're down 10 points early. You could still stick to the run, but they went right to the pass. So to me, it is interesting to point out that the offense we're seeing now in 2022 is almost the polar opposite of what we saw the first couple seasons where Dana Dimmel was here at UTEP. 2018-2019, Kyle Loxley attempted over 150 rushing attempts in both of his seasons as starting quarterback with the Miners. And uh, just to put that into perspective, he had about uh, a similar uh, number in terms of his pass attempts. So about 150-plus pass attempts as well. So very balanced as far as Kyle Loxley. But that doesn't take into consideration how many times they gave the ball uh, to running backs like Trey. Trayvon Hughes, uh, you know, Quadres Wadley in those first two seasons. They ran the ball like crazy. I mean, I would say it was 65% run to 75% run uh, only to, you know, a, a very small percentage of passing. And this time around, I would say it's probably 80% passing and just 20% running uh, of what we've seen so far from UTEP football. And it's weird to kind of see uh, Dana Dimmel's offensive philosophy shift to more of a pass-heavy offense. And it's uh, not an 
inefficient pass heavy team. It's you know, it's chuck the ball deep. Let's let's try to get the big play and let's try to capitalize on some of these home run pa- uh, passes. But he's got a quarterback with a big arm who doesn't like to run or at least is not given the green light to run a lot. So you throw the ball more, right? Now, here's the thing. What would I like more of? Uh, Kyle Oxley type or Gavin Hardison type? I'd like a combination of the two. I'd like a big, strong-throwing quarterback with, or it doesn't have to be big, he could be any size, but with good mobility that isn't afraid if there is nobody open in three or four, two or three seconds to take off and run. And that would be nice. Like, you know what? Give him an opportunity to throw the ball, but instead of trying to stay in the pocket for four, five, six seconds and improvise to get somebody open, take off and run the ball down the field. It's almost as if that's what I'd like. I'd like pass first, but with enough speed and quickness to get out and run the ball if they need to. That's where the game is right now in college football. It's all about dual threat. It's all about how much you can actually run the ball as a quarterback. And if you're not running the ball as a quarterback, you're probably not playing at the next level. And I'm not saying that's uh, the case with Hardison right now. I'm just saying that that's not how they utilize him in the offense. I remember against uh, North Texas, they actually had Gavin Hardison run these quarterback draws or these quarterback powers that seem to work. And and I've seen it at practice where they run Hardison uh, in different situations. But they don't actually show it in games or at least not in the past three that we've seen so far. So uh, I'm curious to see if they will go back to that or if they like Hardison as maybe a run running quarterback at times uh, or if they'll just stick to him as a pocket passer no matter what. we got lines ringing in right now at 505-6009. That is our telephone number, 505-6009. Look, I like pass first, okay? I'll be the first to tell you as a quarterback, I would rather have my quarterback throw the ball than run the ball. I really would. I want a pass-first quarterback who's accurate and gets the ball downfield. However, if nobody's open, I want to make sure that quarterback has enough speed where they can get out to the outside and run the ball. That's what I want. I almost want the best of both worlds. I want a pass-first accurate quarterback who is able to take off and run the ball with uh, you know being mobile. That, to me, is the ultimate. I don't want a run-first quarterback who can throw. I want a pass-first quarterback who can run. There's a big difference, okay? Big, big difference. Don't make running the focus. Make passing the focus, but someone who can run the football. All right, we got a pair of calls to get to, bottom of the hour. We'll do that in a moment, but first, let's get over to Adrian and get one last uh, Sports Center update. Thank you very much, Steve. Let's head over to the baseball scoreboard right now as we get over to a bunch of scores right now that are going on. Before we do, let's get you the final scores from earlier today. The Brewers blanked out. The Mets six to nothing. The Nationals squeezed out a win on the road against the Braves three to two. Also going on right now. Uh, let's head over to Cincinnati Reds all over the Red Sox. 4-1. to one. Marlins on top of the Cubs, 3-1 to one at the middle of the 7th. Also going on in the middle of the 7th, tie game out in Tampa Bay. The Rays and the Astros, 1-1 tie. Again, middle of the 7th of this one. Going over to Philly, top of the 6th, still scoreless. Uh, no score between the Blue Jays and the Phillies right now. Orioles lead the Tigers 3 to nothing in the middle. 
middle of the sixth. Yankees on top of the Pirates, 5-1 to one at the bottom of the fifth. Also right now, bottom of the second, Angels on top of the Rangers, 2-1. to one. Guardians lead the White Sox 2-0 at the bottom of the first. Early action over in Chicago. Also early action in Kansas City. Royals lead the Twins 2-0. They've got also runners on first and third, threatening to score more points here at the bottom of the first. Let's run down the rest of the baseball scoreboard for tonight. 6.40, first pitch between the Giants and the Rockies out at Coors Field. 7.40 start. It's the A's hosting the Mariners out at the Oakland Coliseum. Petco Park will have this one. I'm excited for this one. Padres hosting the Cardinals. 7.40, first pitch for this game. And then the nightcap out at Dodger Stadium. It's the Diamondbacks going up against the Dodgers. That's a look at your Sports Center update for 600 ESPN El Paso. I'm Adrian Broaddus. Appreciate the phone call. Appreciate the update, Adrian, as we keep things moving. Bottom of the hour right now is now over. It's 32 past. Let's get to the phones. Augustine is going to join us next, and then we've got more calls to get to. Our phone number is 505-6009. Augustine, welcome aboard. Hey, Steve. Good afternoon, and good afternoon, everybody. It's, it's, uh, I'm happy to be back, and I'm happy to be in town. Wow. I'm not calling from... Uh, from uh, faraway places. But, Steve, talking about UTEP football and the lack of offense and the lack of, uh, you know, you're, you're talking about a, a quarterback that can pass and then, and then run. And, and I get what you're saying, but at the same time, we know Hardison is not that guy. That's right. And, 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 and at the end of the day, Hardison needs to be quicker with his reads and at least uh, not just throw it up like he used to do before, but but really concentrate on that mid range. I mean, Utah doesn't doesn't really have a deep threat anymore. So I mean, they really need to concentrate on that five fifteen yard you know range and use the tight ends a little bit more. Maybe use a little bit more screens and stuff like that. But but I just gotta say that the play calling has been absolutely horrid it's been absolutely it's like it's like there's no preparation to the game and they're just going with the flow and 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 letting hardison out there on on a on a uh on an island and and making the decision uninformed decisions about the defense that's what it seems like And, and 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 unfortunately there's a thing in spanish that goes piensa mal y acertarás if you think the bad way you'll probably get it right. I mean, it just, it's, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Dana Dimmel, I mean, uh, what's, what's the head coach's name? I forgot what is, I think it's Dana Dimmel. I mean, Dana Dimmel, yes, that's the coach. I'm sorry. He's not, he's not head coach material. I mean, he, he wanted to install a, a, a way to, to do things and it hasn't worked out. I mean, I mean, Hardison, he's got a big arm, just not a big brain. But, uh, but I mean, take advantage of what you have. Take advantage of, of that 515 range and run the ball. I mean, Hardison throwing 45 times a game isn't bad. Just just call the right plays. Just call the right plays. And it, We remember David Klingler back in the 90s, the run and shoot. Maybe UTEP goes somewhere to that effect. I don't know, Steve. It just... It just the team seems unprepared for for game day, and 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 that's the reality of things. I mean, Hardison was great when he had those top 
wide receivers. Now he's not, but it's not just on him. It's 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 on coaching and the and the lack of coaching at UTEP. Well, but I'm just saying, listen, you got a couple seconds to throw the ball, but if nobody's open, there have been plenty of times where there's been wide open running lanes, and he's chose to stay in the pocket to try to wait for somebody to get open, and I'm thinking, you know what, you've got enough speed, you can run the ball, take off and go. You don't have to just keep sitting in the pocket, because then you're you're risking getting sacked, you're risking a fumble, all sorts of things that could happen. So, I just wish, you know, you'd basically tell him, hey, Go up for your for your initial reads. Don't try to buy so much time. If if you've got running lanes and they're available, take it. But, but how many reads do you want, Steve? Do you want the, the three reads just to one side? You know, do do curls, slants, skinny posts, stuff well, like that. I don't that. care I mean, about that, but I'm saying there's got to come a point where if your guys are blanketed and and you're looking downfield, and then all of a sudden there's room in front of you, take the ball and run. There've been plenty of times where he's had lots and lots of running room, but he's chosen to stay in the pocket and try to wait for a developing situation. And I'm saying, get out there and run with the ball. Do you think that's that's on coaching saying, "Hey, wait for the man to get open"? I don't know. Or, or I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what they're telling him. I honestly could not even begin to tell you that answer. I don't know. Could we could we call Dana Dimmel, tell him to be on the show? And uh, he was and, on and yesterday kind of... for an hour. He had his own coaches show. You could have gone in there and either called in or been there and asked this very question. Hey, Steve. I'm He's on every week, Augustine. He's on every well, week. But when, what, you know, Teicher protects him. No, he doesn't. Yes, no. He does, Steve. Yeah. Augustine, you've got you've got it all wrong. He wants those kind of questions out there, and it's absolutely not the case. You, but but you okay. know what? You're saying that, but you've never been. Go there. You think he's going to mute you? They're not going to mute you. Yeah, they probably will. They probably see me coming in and go, uh oh. No, don't give your don't give yourself that much credit. They don't know who you are. Nah, they they wouldn't know who you are. So no, don't give yourself that much credit. Stop it. Hey Steve, one thing, fantasy football was crazy this weekend. Absolutely, the league we're in, somebody scored a hundred ninety-seven points. Yep, yep, that's right. It's been wild. I mean, I, I mean, it it. it do you think this will continue with, with these players coming out like they've been, or was this was just one of those weekends that Miami Tuga Vailoa, or however you say his name, just looked Dan Marinesque, and 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 is that going to continue? Or it's very possible. A, a Listen, um, first off, you got to get you had to at least get Tua's last name right if you're gonna if you're gonna try to pronounce it, or just call him, or just call him Tua, just leave it at Tua. Come on. Yeah, we'll call. It, we'll leave Tua alone. But but I mean, it was it was an. Inc- I mean, I scored 150 some points and I lost. I know. So I'm with you. So I mean, so I mean, it, it, it's wonderful. It's it keeps us keeps us entertained. Is this one of those seasons that's just going to be wide open? Do you see that, or or is this just a bleep in the radar? They're wide open. I mean, we talked about this on the show yesterday. There's only a handful of undefeated teams after two weeks. Just about everybody in the league is one and one. Uh, you got a couple of teams still winless. Uh, fantasy stars all over the place. It's going to be wild. It's going to be crazy. Buckle up because it's going to. I think that you know very well. It's, it's going to be the, you know the unexpected season is 2022 of NFL ball and maybe more parity than we've ever seen, Adrian. 
Yeah, I think there there's a ton of parody across the board. By the way, Steve, uh, I love Augustine's answers and stuff like. That. I just caught the tail end of this, and then he he tr- he segues over from uh, talking about the coaches' show over to fantasy football and all his stuff. But yeah, I, I think it's parody across the board. I also think it's going to be very hard to predict the rest of this season when it comes to just picking fantasy players. Like uh, Jeff Erickson's job got so much tougher this year, knowing how deep the quarterback position is, how many skill position players there really are, like at the wide receiver spot yep it's a it's a difficult position to be in if you're a fantasy owner picking guys week after week no doubt no doubt 20 front of seven we'll come back we'll wrap it up next final countdown we'll give zay a chance to chime in on augustine's call so stay with us more in a moment 600 espn el paso